What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to episode 33 of Conversations That Don't Suck. I'm super excited to be continuing this series that I've been doing in the last three episodes. This is episode four of five on some yummy, difficult emotions that don't get processed enough or I think are underappreciated. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. I'm grateful for y'all that have reached out and that have said some kind words about about them so far. Um, according to the analytics software that I use for my podcast, y'all really liked the one on rage, the one last week. I'm going to be honest, after I recorded that one, I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to care about this. I honestly, I mean, whatever. That's something I think after every recording that I do, I'm like, I don't know if this is like relevant to anyone, but I hope it is. Um, I mean, you know, that's just a part of me speaking. Another part of me is like, of course, this is relevant to everyone, but uh, yeah, I'm glad y'all like the rage one. And I mean, it made me excited because again, as I named at the beginning of that episode, I have just so much anger, just so much anger. Wow. just like a lifetime. I think multiple lifetimes of it. So, um, yeah, that makes me excited. I'm like, great. We can keep talking about rage. That feels awesome. Um, yeah. And today we're going to be talking about heartbreak and I'll get into that in a bit, but first, uh, a few other notes, a few other things. So today, the day, today as in four days into the future, as in I'm recording this on Friday the 18th, but you are listening to this on Monday the 21st. Is that right? Is Yes, Monday the 21st is the day that this episode has been released. Maybe you're listening to it much later. I don't know. But if you are listening to this on the 21st, then today I am launching something that I've been working on for a very long time, uh, or at least it's been in my mind for a long time, and I've been working on it for the last few months. But I today am launching a new project that I have, uh, and I'm really, really excited about it. It's something that I've been thinking about from for a while like probably probably around a year but definitely really since the start of the pandemic and thinking about just what the world needs right now in terms of connection so what I'm launching is called the collective unknown and the collective unknown is an anonymous online sharing platform where every two weeks a question gets posted on the website on the platform and you slash anyone else in the world can answer that question. And it is totally anonymous. It's a question that's meant to inspire introspection, meant to inspire connection with you and the the world around you, uh, more understanding of yourself and how you relate to the world and how all the different bits and pieces of your life have influenced who you are right now today. And it's something that I'm really excited about and and what happens, so again, that question, a new question gets posted every two weeks. You can see the anonymous responses of other folks who have responded that week. And uh, on the off weeks that new questions aren't getting posted, every two weeks there will be an online event, an online gathering uh, where one of the responses of all of the anonymous responses gets selected and we create an online event that is based around what that person has shared. So for example, if I'm asking a question about 
uh, I don't know, something meaningful in your life that has influenced you, I would have a better question than that because that's too vague and not a good question. Y'all know I'm obsessed with good questions, so that would not qualify as one of them, but uh, let's say I'm asking something around like a meaningful something something that's inspired your life and someone names something about like their relationship with their father, uh, then perhaps that one would get chosen uh, and we would have an online event that's inspired around like family dynamics um, or shame with parents, you know, whatever pieces or elements of that response that I think might uh, relate to some universal feelings, then we'll create an event that is surrounded uh, by those things. And so as many of you might know, I work as a professional facilitator and public speaker. And so these things are very near and dear to my heart of like, how do we create spaces of gathering? How do I facilitate real connection in a matter of an hour? Uh, which it doesn't mean like, oh, we all come into a room and we're all best friends by the end of the hour. But how do we create spaces of meaningful connection where people can feel seen and heard and valued for who they are and also to really understand the space between us as members of a group of like, what do I feel when I'm with you? And how do I present myself to others? And why does it happen that way? Uh, what are the things that make me feel a certain way around a certain person and, and really getting into the nitty gritty of how connection happens and why. And I think a beautiful way to to instigate that is through good question asking and through vulnerability and sharing. And so, so much of this has been inspired by the research that I've done on loneliness and just the the years that I've been working in the world of loneliness and connection and understanding that it can be difficult to be vulnerable and sometimes when our name is not attached to it, it can be a bit easier. So that's the reason for the anonymity uh, piece of the project. And then also that it's really important that we're able to explore ourselves. And if you listen to the episode uh, In Defense of Loneliness, which was the first of the five uh, emotion episodes that I'm going through in this series, I talk about how so many people feel so lonely within themselves. And so these questions are really meant to inspire some introspection, self-understanding, uh, getting more in touch with pieces of ourselves that we maybe tend to ignore or simply haven't thought about. We're not really uh, conditioned to understand ourselves very well. We're in, it's ironic too, in such an individualistic society, we are not taught to understand ourselves. We're taught to, to be uh, actually so removed from our own feelings that we don't rely on others for help. And it, I think if we were more in touch with our own feelings, we would rely on one another much, much, much more. If we knew ourselves better as individuals, we would have much better community because we would be able to understand what it is that we need from others. And then we would be able to have the self-knowledge, self-understanding, confidence, and vulnerability to ask for it. And so that's the piece with the with the online gathering that happens every two weeks after the questions get asked is coming together around these universal experiences. And uh, one of the other big pieces of kind of the the, ins the inspiration behind the name, The Collective Unknown, is that there are so many parts of ourselves that we hide from others that we ourselves are hiding from within ourselves. Uh, and usually it's those things that most deeply relate to the collective, to larger communities, to the whole entire world and universe. And so this is a bit of a what's behind all of that. And I'm so excited to bring it into the world. I'm so, so excited to to launch this. And um, yeah, again, it's just been inspired by a lot of what I've seen and what I think the world really needs right now. And I think definitely for me and perhaps for you as well, it's 
only really recently starting to sink in like holy effing shit we're gonna be in this pandemic for so much longer than any of us anticipated y'all I remember at the beginning of this like okay so San Francisco was the first city in the entire country in the U.S. uh, to have shelter in place orders our shelter in place started on March 17th okay twas a Tuesday March 17th and it was going until April 7th and I remember thinking like that is absolutely insane and I was like freaking out of like how are we going to do this for three weeks and thinking it was so crazy and San Francisco was like so extreme for doing this for so long and uh god how naive we were and I mean like honestly thank god we they weren't like hey we're going to be shut down until 2021 like that would have caused way more chaos I'm, I'm kind of glad we're figuring this out as we go in this way um though there could be much better leadership happening but we won't get into that right now because that's its own podcast episode but uh yeah you know again this this is just happening for so much longer than any of us anticipated and I most certainly am starting to feel this deeply deeply weighing on me this is getting harder and not easier uh in my mind in my experience and connection is feeling more difficult to access not easier uh I think you know, people talk about Zoom fatigue and how, you know, Zoom is our main mode of connecting with one another right now. And we feel fatigued by, by that. But I think it's really more the existential dread weighing on weighing on us that is causing fatigue and causing disconnection and causing difficulty in accessing uh, or even willingness, ability to look at our own emotions and to connect deeply and meaningfully with those around us. So if that's where you're at, I love you and it makes sense. And and please don't beat yourself up. Know that you're not alone in that. And uh, I'm looking forward to creating spaces for folks to come together in meaningful connection because holy shit, do we need it. We need it for the longevity of, of what's going to be happening over the next year, I think. We are going to need that sense of connection with ourselves and with others. Uh, and it also kind of, you know, as it relates to the racial justice journey that Many folks, you know, this is not a new journey by any means, uh, but many of us, myself included, are are newer to feeling more active in it, uh, and we're going to need that sense of connection, that sense of clarity in our connection, and that sense of belonging in order to, again, sustain us on what is sure to be a long road, and so... You know, it's it's not to scare you and say like, oh, this is going to go on forever. But like, look, life is hard, y'all. Life is hard and we need one another and we need to understand ourselves and we can't run away from ourselves. And we, you know, when you run away and it's OK, we will run away, but we need you to come back and and uh, to be with one another in a way that's really supportive and just, yeah, in the spirit of building radical community in a radical fucking era. So. Wow, that just flowed out of me. Okay, we are 11 minutes deep. We've got some things to talk about, y'all. So we are doing an episode on heartbreak today. Ooh, heartbreak. I would say next to loneliness, heartbreak is probably my favorite emotion to talk about. It's one of my favorite things, really, when I'm like getting to know a person. I'm like, will you tell me about a time when your heart was so broken you thought you would never get out of your bed ever again? I think I just I just think there's something so beautiful about heartbreak. And um, <laughs> oh, gosh, uh, I already did an episode on heartbreak uh, a while back. This was at the end of March, I think. And that that's episode 11. If you want to go back and listen to that. And I was in that moment 
kind of emerging from a few months of feeling really fucking heartbroken. I had a brutal winter, a brutal winter this past winter. And um, yeah, it was just like a breakup and a whole lot of death. Um, and it was just all kind of a series of unfortunate events. And uh, when I recorded that episode at the end of March, I was kind of emerging from all of it. And yeah, I, and I share some poetry on that on that episode which is terrifying it's still terrifying gosh I did that six months ago and it still terrifies me to think about um but yeah I shared some poetry about about some heartbreak that I was experiencing uh that I had experienced at that time and yeah listening I've listened back to that episode a number of times it's pretty short and I think now thinking about it now I'm like Damn, I was really sad, wasn't I? And <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about heartbreak. And, and one of the things I say in that episode is that time does not heal your wounds, but it does give you space to sit with them. And I, I very much feel that way. It's like, time is great and thank God for time. Uh, but that wasn't the thing that like healed me. Like I healed me. My, my friends healed me. New love healed me. Being in nature healed me. Praying healed me. Um, and so, yeah, sitting with all of those wounds, with all of that hurt, with all of that heartbreak, that's what healed me. That's what brought me to uh, the next version of who I am, you know? And it's not like, oh, bigger, badder, better and improved version of Kyla. It's like just a different version, like, and, and allowing myself to be changed by that love and to be changed by that heartbreak uh, is so beautiful. And so that's that's what I'm here to talk about if you want to go back and listen to that first episode, that could be a good primer for kind of my view around around heartbreak. And again, it's funny thinking back of like, it just, you know, it was six months ago that I released that episode and I just feel so differently now. I feel very differently about that person. <laughs> I feel very differently like about that pain. It, you know, it was so fucking awful at the time. And now I'm like, huh. Yeah, I guess it hurt a lot. It just feels so far away from me now. And it feels like such a, I, I mean, it just feels like a different life that I was in that pain. Thank God, honestly. Um, and so let's dive in. Let's dive into some heartbreak. Um, I want to share, I think I'll start by sharing like a couple, yeah, maybe just like a couple experiences of heartbreak I've had, which is really, I would say I've, if I had to like put a label on it, I would say I've been heartbroken three times in my life, which almost feels like a lot. I don't know. I'm kind of young. I'm 27. Is that a lot of times? I don't know. I don't care. Um, okay. So first one was my high school boyfriend. We dated for six months in high school, at the very end of high school, like right when I was graduating, which six months in high school, y'all, is pretty much the equivalent of being married okay like six months is a long time when you're nine, when you're 17 it's a really long time to date someone <laughs> so we dated for six months and he was like the first person I ever fell in love with he was really like the first boyfriend I ever had I think I had other people like two other people in high school that I like used the word boyfriend on we dated for like literally two weeks so first person I had like an actual relationship with um and you know I don't I don't I sincerely doubt he listens to this podcast or even anyone who knows. I don't know. Maybe someone who knows him would listen to it. Someone else from high school. But 
if someone else who went to my high school is listening to this, they know who it is because like, uh, but anyway, okay. Anyways, it didn't work out everyone. Okay. So we, uh, broke up when I had like just started my freshman year of college and yeah, I was torn the fuck up. Like I was so heartbroken and it really is incredible. Like I was freshly 18 when we broke up. Uh, yeah, we broke up, I think like the week after my birthday or something, if my memory serves me. Um, and it's, it's interesting, like being 17 and like being a teenager, you hear about like falling in love and like teenage love and getting your heart broken. Like you hear these words get thrown around. And I remember just how on some level, there was probably a level of fascination. It was mostly just pain, of course, at the time, but there was maybe some level of fascination of like, wow, this is the shit people write books about and songs about and, and poems and just having that sense of like this is the most painful fucking thing like you truly literally feel like your heart has broken uh and yeah I I just remember like being in the world was so painful it was so painful um I also had a really difficult start to college a really difficult freshman year so I I think, you know, there were a couple difficult emotional experiences being compounded, but, um, yeah, just having that loss of familiarity and that loss of like someone that you talk to every day is, I mean, brutal. And I remember the feeling like he came to my dorm room and we like, you know, talked and cried and broke up and, uh, and when he left, I mean, like I thought I was going to get sick to my stomach, like just my whole body was so fucking reactive and, um, yeah, it's crazy. It really is a feeling you just never forget about. Uh, so moving ahead, I later in life when I was like 21 to 23 ish, 21 to 24 ish, uh, dated a man in Israel. Uh, I was, I had we met in Israel and I moved to San Diego, uh, like right after we met. So I was living in San Diego. He was living in Israel and, uh, yeah. And he and I dated for like two, two and a half years. I eventually moved to Israel and was living, we were living together there. And yeah, that's, you know, the only like adult relationship I consider in my life. of <laughs> Like, uh, and he's a beautiful person. Wow. I still feel just so much love and gratitude for him. And, and I really attribute so much of that love and gratitude to the fact that I so beautifully sunk into that heartbreak when we broke up. Um, the breakup was mutual and, um, yeah, it was mostly just a result of like, I don't, I wasn't sure I wanted to live in Israel forever. Um, and he was, he was sure about that. And, uh, I think also, I don't know. I haven't, I don't speak to him anymore, which is bizarre. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we really haven't spoken since we, I haven't seen him since the day we broke up. Um, but I think if we we're being honest with ourselves, I think the relationship, it was like ready to close. And it was just the matter of, location uh that sparked the conversation but I think the relationship had really run its course and it was very beautiful and we broke up at a point when like 
we were still so happy like so I just remember feeling like ridiculously fucking happy in that relationship um not necessarily in my life as a whole I think that was it was a difficult transition like moving to Israel and I had a difficult year living in San Diego too but anyways like inside the relationship just like ridiculous euphoria just so in love with this person it was so beautiful god love is so beautiful and um yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like rose-colored glasses that I see through when I'm looking into the past, but I really just like loved this person so much and he he is so yeah, just a wonderful human being. Um, but yeah, I th- I think the relationship had run its course and I looking back, I'm like, shit, I'm really proud of us for like breaking up when it was a really difficult thing to do and and didn't even really make a ton of sense knowing how in love we were. Um, and now it's looking back, it's like, you know what, that was the right thing to do. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad, uh, that we were both brave enough for that. Cause it's really, really, really hard. Um, and after that breakup, so again, we were living in Israel. I got on a plane and went to San Francisco and that was four years ago. And I, I thought I was going to go back to Israel. I was like, I'm going to hang out in SF for like a couple months. I had never lived in San Francisco. I'd visited here a bunch of times, but I thought, uh, I was like, all right, I'm just going to like play around in SF for a couple months and then I'm going to go back to Israel, like with or without this partner. I was planning on going back to live there and I just never did. That was four years ago. I just had my four year anniversary with San Francisco and, um, yeah, so now I'm, now I'm here and gratefully still visit Israel quite frequently, but, um, yeah, this is, this is where I've been living since then. And that's pretty wacky. Um, and I remember also like that transition of like, Oh, holy shit. I have such a visceral feeling of being on that airplane, leaving Israel, and I flew into New York uh, and waking up the next day in a hotel in New York City and having this feeling of like, did I dream that? Did I dream the relationship? It was like I had no proof that it had ever happened. because I was just alone in this hotel in New York City. And I was like, you know, yesterday I was in a relationship with the person that I loved in Israel. I was living in Israel yesterday and now I'm in New York. I mean, just the whole thing was so bizarre and it's so jarring, so jolting for the heart to go through these things and to rip the bandaid off in that way. And and not every breakup happens in that way, but that's kind of my style of doing it. I actually much prefer that than like drawing it out. I don't know. Folks who are into conscious uncoupling, which I kind of roll my eyes at that term, but maybe I shouldn't be so judgmental. Uh, but apparently there are less painful ways to break up with people, but I have not experienced it yet. So, um, but yeah, just feeling like it was just such an intense cord cutting again of having this person that I wake up next to every single day that I talk to every single day. I tell him every little thing that happened to me that day. And then like we weren't speaking. I mean, it was just so bizarre. Um, I mean, you know, bizarre is like the gentlest term I could use. It was, it was horrible. It was horrible. I cried for months. I cried for fucking months over that breakup. Um, and I think it really took like a full year before my heart had healed after that. And I, I think for him too, like I really, yeah, I, I think that took us both a really long time. Um, but again, looking back, it's like, 
it just feels like a different life. It's like, shit, yeah, I guess I was really, really sad for a really long time over that that loss, over that grief, but um, it just feels so far away from me now. And now feels like a really beautiful, integrated experience of love and of loss and, and of more love and uh, just being in a place of having just so much gratitude for this person for loving me so well and giving me the privilege and opportunity of loving him so well. Um, and also feeling like, wow, there was so much I didn't understand about love and about relationships and all of these things and communication, especially. Oh my goodness. Uh, and still that is true for me, but I'd like to think I've grown quite a bit since I was 23. So, uh, yeah. And I also just have a lot of memories of having been, you know, that first breakup, like I was 17, 18, I was really young, but then being in my like almost mid twenties at the point of that second breakup, I remember having a couple different conversations with older adults, older, I don't know how old they were, but folks who are like married with children, uh, and them saying to me like, yeah, you know, those breakups when you're in your twenties, like I remember that pain as if it happened to me yesterday. Like you just, you never forget that pain. And even though they're now, you know, happily in love and they're married and they have their children and their family, whatever, this whole thing, they're like, that pain just is unlike anything else. The pain of losing love like that is so intense. And it was really, uh, I remember those conversations really viscerally and, and it's such a beautiful reminder of just like the power of love, the intensity of love and, and the shattering that happens to our hearts and how beautiful that is too. Um, it's just these, so it's such a, such a, such, such, such a human experience. Uh, and I really remember like when I'm in those states and even still now, you know, when I'm in a public place, I'm walking down the street, I'm riding the bus, whatever. I'm not riding the bus these days, but in my regular life, riding the bus and just looking around at people and being like, who's heartbroken right now? Like which one of y'all can barely stand up your bodies in so much pain from heartbreak right now. And just knowing that like, this is a thing that people go through. Um, and truly I pity anyone who doesn't, I really do. I think it's one of the most incredible, beautiful things to happen. Uh, and, and I want to get into the why behind that, which is kind of the meat of this episode. Um, I think there can be a lot of shame behind heartbreak. Um, maybe depending on how it happened, what the dynamic of the relationship was. I definitely felt a lot of shame behind my heartbreak in my most recent heartbreak, the one I wrote that poem about in the last episode or the previous episode I've been mentioning. Um, yeah, there was shame around like unrequited feelings and things like that. Um, and again, you know, those things are like unique to the dynamic. We all have different amounts of shame or complete lack thereof um, in breakups, but I think, again, particularly for women, and and this is something that I got into a lot in the episode around neediness, that was two weeks ago, um, is that like, we're sometimes just, we feel like we're too much. We feel like we're too emotional um, and maybe we shouldn't be sad for as long as we are. We shouldn't be grieving as hard as we are, something like that. And even more than that, I think I think if you get to that point, that's even great. That That's great because I think most people don't even get there. Most people like, 
don't even give themselves the space to grieve, give themselves the space to look at that pain and to feel that loss and that emptiness without that person there, without that love there. Um, And again, even if like you decide to do the breaking up, there's still this major shift that happens in the heart and and there is grief there. And again, every breakup is different. All the dynamics are different. Sometimes it's like pure happiness and joy that you've left that relationship and right on for that. But uh, so much of the time, there's just so much pain that we don't process because it's just too fucking painful. And we think we'll die if we really look at it. And I and I say that like quite literally. I think, not I think, the, the nervous system is so sensitive. And the reason that we avoid our emotions is because we think if we go into it, we'll never come out. Like we will become swallowed whole by that pain. And one of the powerful, amazing things with heartbreak is that it is all consuming. It is powerful. It is something that will swallow you the fuck whole. And I think there's extraordinary power in in accessing that, in being with that. And one thing I say of heartbreak is that I think it's important to grieve as hard as you loved. Mm, To grieve as hard as you loved. Like you owe that to the relationship. You owe that to the love that you shared. And to remember that that love will change into something else. It'll go somewhere else. That was such a big um, just challenge that I felt after ending that long uh, two, two and a half year relationship is like, what the fuck is going to happen to the love? It's just going to die. Like I found that even, I, I just found that so incredibly sad that like the love would just disappear. I was like, I'd rather be heartbroken forever than have the love die. And I remember a friend of mine, a friend of mine, Amanda, she said to me, she was, she like very quickly turned to me. I remember she's like, no, no, Kyla, no. The love is not going to die. It's going to change going to change into something else like love does not die love is energy energy doesn't die it moves it transforms it changes that love will go someplace else and that's been a beautiful reminder of like the I think one of the most painful things about heartbreak is that there is so much love and you don't know where to put it anymore um and it's this kind of like this displacement that happens with our hearts um of like they're there used to be somewhere concrete that I would pour this into. Sorry, I'm just thinking of that. That's a pun right there. Uh, concrete and pouring. Anyways, sorry. I hate puns. I'm sorry I even just said that. Gosh, just ruined this beautiful sentimental moment with this stupid pun. Um, <laughs> anyways, you used to pour your love somewhere into a person, into a relationship, into a future Um, and suddenly there's nowhere to put it. And it's this kind of like, I mean, in my body, I like feel this like freezing of like, oh my God, what do I do with this? Of like, you're standing at an edge and you like can't go any further. Um, and I'm just knowing like the love will transform. It'll change into something else. Like the love will go to you. The love will go to others. The love will go to God. The love will go to nature, to your family, whatever it is. And, and that love does not belong or have ownership in any one place or person. It just is. It's like electricity. It's just there all the time. It's not something we have to like create or destroy. It just always is existing. 
Hmm. 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 And one of the things that I think is so tragic about the fact that we don't lean into the pain of heartbreak is that I think it stifles our capacity to love as fully as we possibly can when opportunities to love, and I don't just mean romantic love, but love in its big sense, uh, when those opportunities arise to us, I think we have a smaller capacity for it when we're not willing to touch on the deeper, darker parts of our pain. And I mean, I feel this way about any kind of pain, like the deeper we're willing to go there, then the deeper we're willing to go with ecstasy and joy and euphoria, all the things that we're, you know, conditioned to believe are the really pleasant things to be feeling. Um, We just have a much wider, richer, more colorful spectrum of what our emotional worlds look like. Yeah, I think touching our pain is just so important. And another thing I want to name is that when I'm talking about heartbreak, I know I've been speaking specifically of like romantic heartbreak, romantic love and loss, but heartbreak is all kinds of things. And It's so important to just let that guide you. A thing I hear a lot in different personal development spaces that are more spiritually or or love-minded or like to follow heartbreak. That's a really important guiding principle that I think a lot of these different communities and teachings have is to follow heartbreak, to follow the things that break your heart. For example, one way that this has come up for me lately is the heartbreak of thinking about uh, kids right now and how challenging their worlds must be by doing learning online and not having their friends around and kids that maybe don't have great home lives and that you know going to school was like their reprieve from that uh, which is now not an option for them and just the other day I was sitting in a park here in San Francisco and I saw this boy I don't know how old kids are maybe he was like 13 question mark I don't know um but (laughs) I feel like boys also, they like, because they mature slower than girls, like they like look young. Maybe he was older than that. I have no idea. Let's assume he was like 12 or 13 and he was walking his dog. He's like playing with his dog by himself in the park. And I felt this extraordinary heartbreak, like looking at him and I totally could have been just like projecting, you know, I think I try not to let like the word empathy define how I think other people are feeling. I think a lot of people who like call themselves empaths, I'm like, you're actually just projecting all over people. Um, but And I definitely used to call myself an empath, so I'm calling myself out as well. But I, I don't know. I just sat there and I'm looking at him and I'm like, ooh, just feeling the pain of like what it must be like to be in so much isolation. And, you know, maybe this wasn't what he was feeling, but I know lots of other kids must be feeling it, um, to be feeling so much isolation and to not have your friends around and to possibly be losing like really critical learning time when like most kids are not going to be learning as effectively over zoom as they would be in classroom obviously um and just what is that like to not be getting the enrichment that your brain needs at that age at such developmental stages of your life um and and how challenging is that for them to not have a sense of how long this is going to go on and all of the really concrete things that they're losing? You know, I think for me, someone at my age, like, I, this sucks. Like, this pandemic sucks for a lot of reasons. But when you're that age, it's like you're never going to get eighth grade back. 
you're never going to get your freshman year of college back, what, you know, your college graduation, your high school graduation, whatever it is. Like these are really concrete things that you will never get back. And, and I just find that so incredibly heartbreaking. And, and also to think that like these kids don't always have the words to express what it is that they're feeling, or they don't have the permission to express or to even begin to feel those things in their home if they were never taught that. And, um, so the reason I'm bringing all this up and bringing up my sense of heartbreak around that is because when I feel myself feeling that, there's gold in that heartbreak for me. And there's gold in the heartbreak that you feel. And it's guiding you and me, us, towards that which is most important to us. And I think it's also, our heartbreak also guides us towards what is most important to the world to everyone, to humanity. It's again, the things that we are often unwilling to feel, as I was talking about at the beginning of this episode with the collective unknown that I just launched. It's the things that we're not willing to feel, the things that are most painful, the things that are breaking our hearts the most, that are often our ties to the collective, our ties to everyone else. And it's only in my willingness to touch that pain And to really put myself in that place of like, holy shit, what must that be like to be this 13-year-old who is losing all these parts of his life right now and who might be really deeply struggling academically, emotionally, mentally, familially. And the more I'm willing to touch that pain, the more I'm able to connect with the pain of others and to connect with others in general. And again, when we're able and willing to go into those places with ourselves, to really deeply, intimately know ourselves as individuals, the more deeply and intimately we can know others, the more deeply and intimately we can be seen by others and to be known and to be valued, to feel like we belong in a collective. That happens when we are willing to touch our heartbreak. And we are willing to go into those places that feel impossible and to realize that they are universal experiences. That even though I might be having a unique situation or set of circumstances, the depth of that pain is something that is so not just mine. It really is something that connects us to everyone around us and it might that doesn't mean it feels good that doesn't mean it makes the pain any less but it might make the pain a little bit more beautiful there might be less suffering in the pain when we're able to touch that we're able to be in that heartbreak I think anywhere where we have an inclination to not go within ourselves There's usually a lot of wisdom hiding there. And oftentimes we need the support of another person, of someone to hold our hand, of a therapist, of a healer, a guide of some kind. It doesn't mean we should do these things by ourselves. But that there is real beauty in medicine and healing in these difficult places. Ah, ha. 
I know I've brought up the Enneagram many times in over the course of this podcast. I'll spell it if you have not listened to previous episodes and heard me mention it 5,000 times, but it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, Enneagram. I'm a type four and uh, we love darkness type four. So if y'all have listened to this podcast, you know, I just, I'm not afraid to go to the dark places. I'm like, let's bring it. Let's bring the shadow in. So I think this is, this episode has actually really flowed out of me in a really big way. <laughs> like, I think I had a lo- lot of uh, momentum with this conversation around heartbreak and darkness and pain could really go on all day I do think it is just like one of the most beautiful parts of being alive of like when your heart breaks open you can touch the thing that matters the most it's like I mean yeah even just that imagery of like heartbreak you know it's it's painful and it's not whole and it's it's shattered it's this it's kind of a negative imagery but it's like what happens when something's broken open then it's opened then you get the rawest, most beautiful, deepest, most tender parts of it. Ugh, it's gorgeous. All the light can pour in. All the icky stuff can pour out. Delicious. Hmm. Okay, y'all. I'm so grateful for you listening if you have made it this far. I love you so very much. And next week will be the final of the five episode series around difficult emotions as always i'd love to hear from you around how this how this is for you what it what it brought up for you questions comments ideas thoughts concerns musings i'd love to hear it all um and definitely definitely go check out the collective unknown i will put the link for it in the show notes it is collectiveunknown.com And uh, yeah, you can start answering questions today. It is active. It is live. It is waiting for you. All right. I love y'all so much. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. Take care. Mwah.